All right. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Balls and Beards podcast, episode number 28 already, moving right along. I'm here once again with my good friend, Mikey. Mikey, how are you doing on uh, this lovely Monday? Oh, you know what, Chris? I'm doing quite well out here in the uh, the West Coast region of the universe. Nice, nice, man. We are, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out in Wisconsin for this week's episode, visiting the fam, helping out, so... Yep, connecting from other parts of the country, of course. We are in the middle of the NBA playoffs. So, you know, my Bucks are have a game two ahead of them tonight. Fortunately, the Lakers, surprisingly, were eliminated. Some injuries and everything. But, of course, we're going to lead off with that series today. Talk about Mikey's Lakers and, you know, <laughs> the injuries. The, the Suns were able to get it done in the end and, and pull it out. But, you know, let's start out there and, and we'll shift over and we'll talk about the Clippers, of course, and the rest of the going on. But... Mikey, of course, I'm interested yeah. in your take on the Lakers. You know, uh, losing AD, of course, was was a big loss. It really kind of seemed the series went kind of how he went. When he was available and playing at his best, the Lakers looked great. When he wasn't, they, they really had a hard time. But, uh, brother, I'm going to turn it over to you, kind of have you take us through what happened with the Lakers and what your thoughts are on them. And, uh, you know, looking forward to next season, what you'd like to see them do maybe this offseason. Yeah, Chris, you know, um, first off, you know, kudos to the Phoenix Suns for uh, getting the job done. You know, I mean, uh, Chris Paul was able to shake off his shoulder injury, it seemed, for the most part, and, you know, got it done. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, in years past and playoff series past, this dude has gotten an injury and then he's not been able to return. And then his teams have subsequently not been able to, you know, perform well or, you know, they were they were eliminated from the playoffs. So all true. Yep. You know, I, I think first off, you know, him and, and Booker and, and Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton. I mean, DeAndre Ayton had somewhat of a coming out party. As, I totally, uh, you know, a young big man in the NBA, um, someone to be dealt with, you know, for years to come. So, you know, kudos to them for that. And Monty Williams, who, you know, if people will remember, was the the main um, candidate to take over the Lakers franchise um, before it ultimately landed in Frank Vogel's uh, lap. But um, right. but anyway, yeah. um, you know, my thoughts about AD, you know, I, I mean, he shouldn't have played, um, you know, him going down as soon as he did. I, I, I understand that it was an elimination game. I understand, you know, he wanted to be out there for his teammates. And clearly the, the training staff and the medical people thought that, you know, there's no way he could just make it worse, right? Like, otherwise right. he wouldn't have played. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, the fact that he wasn't even a minute into the game, it was like 46 seconds or something like that before he went down. I, I mean, that just goes to show that really he had no business being out there in the first place. Or at the very yeah. least, you make him active, but you don't start him. You start Morris, you start Kuzma, you start somebody else in his place. Maybe you go big and start Montrez next to, you know, Marcus Saul or something like that. I don't know. I, I just feel like you probably could have gone about that differently. Um, I agree. You know, LeBron, yeah. LeBron looked human. Um, you know, obviously yeah. Dennis uh, Schroeder. I mean, here's a dude that, you know, was completely non-existent outside of a couple games. You know, he's a guy that turned down a four-year, $84 million extension with the Lakers earlier this season. And now God only knows what kind of contract he played himself into, whether it's with the Lakers or another team, you know, he good didn't point. To be yeah. and, and even beyond the playoffs, Chris, you know, here's a dude that, you know, when LeBron was out and AD was out, he really didn't take over the team. And, you know, arguably he's our best offensive player. So, 
you know, I, I think that there's a oh, lot of question point. marks there. Um, totally agree. And Mike, did he have a yeah. goose egg in game five? Yes, did I did. see that? He, he had a, he had a complete donut in game five. Didn't even score. Um, you well, know, yo. and so when we are on the brink of elimination, when we are in a pivotal game tied two two, you know, where really, you know, you kind of control your own destiny. If you go up three games to two, you know, for him to put up a donut, you know, obviously is not going to attract very many fans. <laughs> no, um, definitely not. Nope. You know, nope. Um, so on top of that, but here's the thing, you know, I don't want to, I never want to use as a fan. I should never try to use officiating or injuries as an excuse as to why you didn't win a game or, or anything like that. Sure. However, in this instance, when you look at the playoff picture as a whole, yeah, the two teams that were in the NBA finals last season and three out of the four teams that were in the conference finals last year are no longer in the playoffs. And that would be the Boston That's Celtics, true. who had a gentleman's sweep against the, the Nets. They lost four games to one. The Miami yep. Heat got whooped on by your Bucks four game four and out. The Lakers yep. were the only team that put up some resemblance of resistance and a fight to possibly make it to the second round against the Suns, and yet they got eliminated. The Denver Nuggets are the only team currently still left in the playoffs that was in the conference finals last year. My point you know, being is that, again, historically – the NBA now had the shortest turnaround in between seasons of any professional sport in history. There That's was a, a great point. In between them hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy and them starting the season. Yeah. They're, LeBron's 30 billion years old. Look, yes. you know, Anthony Davis yeah. is a guy that has suffered uh, through injuries his entire career. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, in part, you know, he wanted to get locked up with a long-term deal with the Lakers is because of that injury history. And that was on full display yeah. this season. Yeah, um, you're right. Yep. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but any anybody, any NBA fan of any of the 30 teams, if they won the Larry O'Brien trophy last year and then came in and had to suffer, their two big best players – were were down for 50 games out of combined out of 72 games and the fact that you know people were surprised that we made the play-in tournament okay well the fact that we even made the play-in tournament is kind of surprising to be honest yeah that's a good Um, i agree right i agree because you did lose some of the other key you brought in different guys but you lost some of the key contributors that were there last year too so it wasn't like it was the exact same roster coming back. Yeah, LeBron and AD were the big pieces, but like you just pointed out, they missed 50 out of 72 games. So you were relying on some other guys, Schrader, necessarily there. Um, Last season, I mean, I I agree with you, kind of just to make the play-in tournament, just to get in as the seventh seed, was pretty darn good considering all the adversity that they faced this year. Absolutely. Well, and then, you know, when you look at, the game, as you pointed out in the intro, you know, Anthony, da- the series went as Anthony Davis went, right? When he was on fire, like he was in game two, yep. the, the, the Suns had no answer. He, he was just a beast. But when you look, and then you look at prior to the season ending, a, a week or two before the season ended, we played the Suns. He ended that- up with 42 points, whatever it was. He absolutely, once again, the Suns had zero answer for him. So had he been healthy? Even if a hobbled LeBron was there, but if AD had been healthy, 
then there's probably a good chance we take that series to seven games. Not saying we would have won on Phoenix's home court, but we would have possibly gone seven games. That's just not I, the case. Yeah. Um, but then, but then again, you know, one of my biggest beefs that I had, and beef is probably the wrong word, but one of the biggest big question marks I had going into the season about the Lakers, and we can check the tape because it's there. I yeah. was concerned about the lack of big men that the Lakers were going to have. I liked the addition of Gasol. I did. I liked yeah. the addition of Montrezl Harrell. But losing the athleticism and the pick-and-roll ability of both Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee was yep. going to be detrimental to our team. And sure enough, Gasol yep. never felt comfortable in our offense. In no, the playoff didn't. series alone, you know, Montrezl Harrell came – Felt completely out of the rotation. Uh, yep, Andre you're right. Drummond, up until game five, game six, was in the rotation, was a starter, and then all of a sudden, Marcus Saul's taking up the bulk of his minutes. So again, yep. dude, there were some weird things by Vogel. All of a sudden, Montrez, we there was game five, we were completely lackluster in some energy. Um, you know, yeah, what, yep. what happened? We Montrez didn't even get any playing time. The one, the guy that's our biggest energy boost outside of maybe Caruso off the bench, and we're not even playing the guy. I, well, I mean, you know, I, I just think that there was questionable things, but we had yeah, that's a head scratcher. You yep. know, Booker and those guys were able to get into the paint. DeAndre Ayton, we had no answer for him. There was yep. just there was a lack of resistance inside that we had last year. And again, I'm not trying to harp on this too much. The chemistry was not quite the same. Now, granted, injuries and lost time due to injuries plays a large part of that. Our guys, Andre Jumman, never got to play with a starting lineup that consisted of Anthony Davis and LeBron James until we were already too deep into the season to where it really you weren't able to develop any kind of chemistry. Like there was just too many things like that, man. Like I, I, I just, you know, I. Other Good teams point. had to deal with COVID protocols and things like that, which their guys got to come back after quarantine, come right back in, and they were healthy. The Lakers True. were one yeah. of the few teams that actually dealt. We were pretty good outside of Schroeder losing time the last couple of weeks of the season due to COVID protocols. Right. Our injuries and our games missed were due to actual injury. It wasn't due to COVID and safety protocols. That's so I true. Think that that you, and you look at the teams currently, Chris, that are in the playoffs. They had they didn't miss a whole lot of time due to injury. They have good chemistry. Your Bucks That's being true. one of those teams. Yeah. The Utah yeah. Jazz being another one. Um, yep. you know, you look at the Denver Nuggets. Um, the Denver Nuggets also have really good chemistry despite losing Jamal Murray, but they had enough time to write that ship and navigate it. They That's did, you're right. Yep. You could even argue that Ty Lu inserting uh, you know, and this might be a nice segue. But you could argue that Ty Lue inserting Reggie Jackson into the starting lineup instead of Pat Beverly, who's been virtually non-existent. I think that, you know, Reggie Jackson being inserted in the starting lineup gives them an offensive weapon that helps relieve pressure off of Kawhi Leonard, off of Paul George. Um, you know, he was instrumental in that game seven. He had some big shots. I watched that game, you know. Yes. And, yep. Um, you know, I, I just. Going back to the Lakers, man, I just think that, you know, they had chemistry issues, they had injury issues, that short turnaround didn't help. And even if you brought back the same team from last year, Chris, I just don't know if we would have had the same amount of success, if we could have avoided the play-in tournament, you know. I, I just don't know. Sure. Uh, but sure. I, I think those are kind of some of my things, you know, observations in the series as well as, 
you know, um, just over the course of the Lakers season in general. Yeah, I do. I, I think you, you, you hit the nail on the head right there and you're right. We go back and listen to some of our recordings from the beginning of the year. You, uh, you definitely were talking about that being one of the concerns losing both, um, you know, Dwight Howard and, and McGee's, uh, ability, like you said, in the pick and roll game and some of the different things that they were able to do for your Lakers last season in the bubble and so on. So that was something that was missing. And then, you know, like, like you both pointed out, you know, AD being out was a big, big part of it. And it was just, uh, I thought you made another great point when you look at who's left in the playoffs this year and, you know, the teams that went deep into the bubble last year are, are pretty well eliminated. Like you said, the Nuggets are the only team, you know, still um, floating around and, you know, they're going to, they're going to have an, an interesting Interesting series coming up here too now with, with the Suns, of course. So um, that should be a good one. Looking forward yeah. to that for sure. But, um, you know, so we, of course, we've talked about your Lakers. And, and you know, I'm pretty much on board with everything you said. You know, I mean, I um, you, you had the observations and, you know, anything that I really, um, you know, would have said you, you pretty much nailed. So. Um, great job there, brother. Absolutely. Uh, but I do want to get your, I want to get your thoughts as well. Now we can shift over to the other LA team, sure. which, you know, it's funny when we did our last episode, you know, uh, last Wednesday, it, it, things were looking pretty good for the Lakers, not looking so good for the Clippers. And uh, all of a sudden the Clippers came back to life. Um, you know, what a weird series though, that was with the, with, uh, the Mavericks, I mean, Lucas still pretty much went off that whole series. It was uh, the first time in NBA history where the road team won the first six games uh, of a playoff series. So um, certainly that game six win where where the Clippers were able to rally back in Dallas and win that game kind of made you feel like they probably had it just because it was hard to visualize a team, a, a road team winning every single game in a seven-game series. So, uh, but anyway, dude, um, you hinted on a little bit talking about, you know, Reggie Jackson being inserted in that starting lineup, Ty Lu, what that did. Uh, what, what, what do you have to say about the Clippers and Mavs, dude? They, they're advancing on. They were able to turn it around. It didn't look too good after those first two games, but, but they got it done. Yeah. You know, um, first off, you know, I mean, if, if, if anybody needed convincing that, you know, Luca was in fact a superstar in this league, you know, look no further than yeah. you know, that game seven in particular. I mean, that dude, 46 points, 47 points, something like that. He had 14 yep. assists. He was like one rebound shy of a triple double. I mean, he did yep. everything he possibly could to help win that series. Totally. Um, but, you know, and he's going to be without a doubt, probably a future. And he's going to be, you know, a perennial MVP candidate for the regular season. And if he ever makes an NBA finals, there's a good chance that he could be a, a finals MVP as well. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I think it was kind of a coming out party for Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, you know, he Great. was he was really good in this series. Um, yep. In fact, his, I just read today his dad had a quote that it was, in fact, his son, Tim Hardaway Jr., that the Mavs really wanted and not Porzingis, that Porzingis was actually the throw in in that trade. Um, oh, whether wow. or not that was shade thrown at Porzingis or or whatever. I don't know. But you had Brzingis coming out in the post game and whatnot, talking to the media and kind of questioning what his role with the team is, questioning, you know, his status as the number two guy. And, and you know, there was comments, there was, there was the media 
sifting out comments that, that he has made over the course of the season and in playing with Luca, where, you know, maybe the ball is not is sticking a little too much with Luca, despite the fact that he gets, you know, double digit assists on a regular basis. Um, you know, so yeah. but I, I think that if you're Przingis, you know, just talk on the mask for a little bit, you know, if you're sure. Przingis, I mean, you need to be more aggressive. You need to be more assertive, bro. Like if you don't think you're a number two option, you need to demand the ball. You need to get in that post. You need to do something with a smaller matchup, with a better matchup, a more favorable matchup. You need to go down there and go down on that block. You need to go out there and shoot lights out with that basketball. You can't be timid, man. In the games I, that I watched, it was like he was out there, but he wasn't out there. He wasn't really doing anything. Like in that game seven, he had some looks around the rim that he didn't knock down. You know, he, he was getting pushed around. He just wasn't – I don't know what it was, man, but then you can't come in out after the fact and then, you know, just completely throw up a goose egg. I mean, going back to the Lakers-Phoenix series, after game one and Anthony Davis's virtual non-existent play in that game, he came out and said, dude, we can't expect to win if I play like that. Sure enough, yeah. the very next game he went out and beasted the Phoenix Suns. So, yeah, good you know, point. again, if, if you're Przingis, you can't come out there and expect to be this number two and then not even perform like it. Um, yeah, totally so, agree, man. Know, I, I think the Mavericks have some definite, you know, things that they need to work out there. They don't have the salary cap. They don't have, um, you know, I don't know if Przingis' trade value is all that good. So I don't know what yeah. you get for him. Um, yeah. But regards to the Clippers, I mean, you know, you saw – and I, look, I, I, I'm going to take it for what it is. I'm not going to look past anything. I'm not going to be one of these guys like on ESPN or something like that, Chris, that sit here and on all the anoint the Clippers of having been, been arrived. They've arrived for several years, like for like a decade now. Every year it seems yeah. to be like, well, this is oh, their year. Yeah. So, but having said that, game six and game seven were, you know, game Kawhi Leonard yeah. was a beast. I mean, you know, Kawhi Leonard did Kawhi Leonard things, shot efficiently. He totally did. His mid-range jumper was falling. He was getting good looks at the rim. He was getting dunks. He was shooting threes. Paul George, in in this series, double-doubles. You know, he was getting double-digit rebounding. His his defense, he was sloppy with the basketball. He had quite a few turnovers, um, you know, that kind of a thing. But, you know, by and large, Ty Lue was able to, you know, unleash these guys and – the Mavs really had no answer for them. Um, yeah. I'm really curious to see what that looks like against the Utah Jazz. Um, you know, yeah. probably one of the best defensive teams in the NBA this last season. Um, yep. You know, they're starting Rudy Gobert in the center. I'm curious to see if Ty Lue sticks with this kind of smaller ball lineup that he's been using with, you know, Morris at the, at the five Me spot. too, dude. Yeah, um, I'm interested in how they go about it. Yep, yep. Right. So, you know, because – you know, Rudy Gobert has proven, and especially in today's NBA, being a defensive player of the year finalist and, and winner, he can defend even guys that shoot threes. I mean, he's mobile enough and he's long enough that he can make up for guys that blow, back, blow past him and still recover well enough to block shots and challenge at the rim. And Utah's a really good defensive team. And so, you know, do they have the guys that are necessary to, to put the clamp down on Kawhi Leonard and that? I don't know, but you know, they have offensive juggernauts. They have guys that can go out there and, and shoot the ball really well. They're one of the few teams, the Jazz are, Chris, that, mm-hmm. you know, they were top five in offense and top five in defense. Good so, point. 
you Point. Know, I, I mean, this is a team that can score the basketball and get stops. So, yep. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Sixth man of the year in Jordan Clarkson. Um, yeah. You know, I just think that they have some really good things going for them. And I don't know. I, I'm interested to see how the, the Clippers navigate that, man, because history is not on their side. They've never been out of the second round. That's going to factor in yep. this, especially if they get on the ropes yep. like they did kind of against the Mavs. Yep. Um, you know, um, I, I'm curious to see. Kawhi Leonard's been a finals MVP. Kawhi Leonard's made it to the NBA finals. He's won championships. Paul George, not as successful in the playoffs. His track record in that the, is in true. the last several yep. years not, has not been great, uh, Chris. So, I, you know, I mean, for all intents and purposes, in this series, I got to pick, you know, the Jazz to win. Um, Fair enough. Fair but, enough, I mean, man. I think the Clippers have a snows ball. I, I think they have a chance. I, I think that they could get it done if they continue to play like they did. I don't know if Terrence Mann's going to continue to have the kind of off season that or the postseason that he's had thus far. Um, I'm interested to see if Pat Beverly gets back in that starting lineup. Can right. Morris continue yeah. to shoot the ball as well as he did in that Dallas series? Uh, sure. There's a lot of questions there, man. But you know, kudos to the Clips for getting past. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 they're just. You know, they're fighting through it. They, they fought through some adversity in this first round. They got through it. They won a decisive game seven, and they did so in a pretty good fashion. I mean, Dallas was winning that game, and, you know, they turned the tide. I mean, Kawhi Leonard yeah. took over that game and did things that you kind of halfway expected him or hoped he would do last season when you're up three games to one, and you lost. Right. Yep. So, uh, in fact, I, I was totally expecting that in game seven. I, I'm not even going to lie, dude. Like, I yeah, oh, yeah. There to be like duds from from their two best players, and I was yep. wrong. Yeah, dude. I you know it's watching <laughs> watching Game Six in Dallas, where you know I mean they 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 were down double digits there in the second half. Watch them erase that deficit. Kawhi going nuts in Game Six, leading them back. It was it was almost like watching that that uh, Bucks Raptors series from two years ago, where Milwaukee was up two zip in the the Eastern Finals, and then. Kawhi happened and and the rest of that team happened and they ended up taking it to us the rest of the series one four in a row but um, I'm watching that and once once they got it done you know I'm like geez game seven's gonna be back uh, in LA and the way that Kawhi just played going you know superhero Kawhi mode again here I'm expecting them to get it done in game seven but you know like you said Dallas was winning that game as well and then uh, yeah I mean he turned it around did I think what, what everybody was hoping he would do when, when he signed there before last season. So I'm with you, you know, kudos to the clips for getting it done. Um, I was very much with the majority of the folks out there after those first two games and kind of thought the clips might be done and, and, you know, looking forward to an off season blow up, but um, good, good rally for them. Now it just gets tougher though. You know, I mean, you, you made the, made the point. Um, this this is going to be a tougher assignment, you know, both yeah. offensively and defensively. Utah is better um, mm-hmm. to touch on what you were saying about Dallas. I totally agree with you. Look, I thought Porzingis, you look at him, he had 20 points in game two, looked pretty good. And then kind of became a ghost the rest of this series. And then, you know, like you said, questioning what his role is, this, that and the other. Well, it's like you said, dude, you got to be aggressive, like be aggressive, attack the basket, use your size advantage and do something. He, he was able to do it in game two. And then after that was pretty much just, you know, just non-existent non-factor for the rest of the series. So, yeah. you know, I 
think his play very much a part of the reason why Dallas blew that two to nothing lead. You know, if he could have been more aggressive and could have been more of a contributor and stepped up, hit some of those long shots, you know, who knows, maybe they'd still be playing right now instead of the clips, but you know, hats off to them. We'll see if that can help them in what I expect to be a tough kind of, you know, drag it out series. Again, you, you, you have to think from the, you know, just the stamina aspect and, and the freshness aspect. Of course, Utah's got a little bit of an advantage there. Being down two to nothing, having to win those, all those games on the road, you know, they had to go win three games in Dallas. I mean, it takes a lot of energy to do that, that many games in a row. Um, and, then, and then to be down, you know, they were down in game six. They were trailing at home in game seven. It takes a lot of energy all the way around to, to fight your way back in a playoff game with that kind of intensity, especially when it's an elimination game. Um, you know, so there, I think they're going to be a little flat. They're going to be a little tired. They're going to be a little dead heading into this series with Utah. You know, for that reason, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I'm going to lean toward the jazz. I, I think that's going to make, uh, it's going to be a factor and Utah is a pretty difficult place to play. You know, it's, it's yeah. not one of the easier places to play. That's for sure. So um, I think the Clips will have their hands full. I think it'll be a great series. You know, I, I think we are in store for what should be another good – I mean, it's got to be a six- or seven-game series, I think. But I'm with you. I'm leaning toward the Jazz. I just think all of that energy the Clippers had to use just to get out of this first-round series, it's going to be tough to bring that, you know, every night. And obviously, they they definitely can't fall in a 2-0 hole this time around because uh, I think, you know – Utah isn't going to lose a whole bunch of games at home in this series. So, um, right. you know, they, they need to, I don't know, it, it, it'll be tough, but you know, I, at least, uh, with what they showed in game six and seven, if that version of Kawhi shows up, they're definitely, definitely going to have a chance. That's for sure. But, um, totally very interested. And then of course, you know, Know, jumping back we've got the Suns and Nuggets after the Suns were able to move through and get it done against the Lakers I, I mean I think that's going to be a great series too before we jump over to the east I just want to get your thoughts who do you think is going to win that one Mikey we've got the two seed with the Suns the three seed with the Nuggets oh man we've got the Joker you know going at it looks like probably going to be the league's MVP We've got CP3 over there on the other side you know uh, like you pointed out Aiton is kind of coming into his own this playoff series and Devin Booker just played better as that series went on. Um, should be a hell of a series, dude. But who do you like? Who, do, who, who are you leaning toward in that one? You know, I, I oh, do. It's, it's tough, man, because you know, you got two different styles of play. You got Booker who's red hot. Um, you know, Chris Paul, what's his shoulder look like, but you Good know, point. obviously yeah. you, you look at the way Cameron Payne played, uh, against the Lakers and, you know, fearless off the bench, putting the ball in the hole, you know, Phoenix really didn't meet, miss much of a beat. In fact, I think they probably sped up the pace of the game a little bit with Cameron Payne versus CP three. Um, you know, so I, I think yep. that there's some, there's some intangibles there that Phoenix has that if they utilize them the right way, just like they did against the Lakers, they could certainly make things tough for the Denver nuggets. However, they don't have Phoenix doesn't have an answer for the Joker. And so, you know, I think if the Joker's doing Joker-like things, you know, just like Anthony Davis going up against DeAndre Ayton when he's healthy, DeAndre Ayton is a non-factor against Anthony Davis. I think that very much could be the case here against Joker. Um, shooting threes, 
you know, getting in the paint, mixing it up, getting assists. Um, my, my question about Denver is, you know, is Michael Porter Jr. going to be able to score at a high enough clip to make it so that defense, the defense of Phoenix has to be honest with him? Um, you know, and, and Aaron Gordon, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Gordon gets some run guarding Booker, putting a bigger body on him. He's mobile enough for stretches to be able to do that. Can Aaron yep. Gordon continue his offensive onslaught and, and be able to shoot the ball well and get things done? Um, you know, Great I, point. I think that's, that's some of my questions that I have about Denver without Jamal Murray, you know, their offense runs through Joker and even, you know, with, Jamal Murray healthy the offense runs through Joker but sure, sure. you don't have that bona fide guy that can go tit for tat with Devin Booker um Monte Morris played really well in the first round series he um, did you know I, I think that there are you know Paul Millsap's a vet you know he clearly is going to know how to get things done he could shoot the three he can mix things up in the paint he's a good offensive rebounder um you know I, I think Denver's going to have a rebounding advantage because they do go rather large. Um, you know, I don't know. It's going to, it's going to be really interesting, man. I, I do think this is a six game series at the very, at the least. I don't think this is a gentleman's sweep by any stretch for either team. I agree. Yeah. So I do think this is a six or seven game series. I do think I'm curious. I'm really, really kind of worried and, and interested to see how the shoulder responds. Um, yes. By Chris yep. Paul. Um, and I think that I do think that Denver ends up winning the series. So I end up, I do think Denver ends up going back to back seasons, going to the Western conference finals. Um, but I do think Phoenix is going to push them to their limit. I, I really do. And I would not be surprised if it's Phoenix representing, you know, coming out of this series, uh, going into the Western conference finals. I, I just lean more towards Denver. Fair enough, man. I I'm with you in it's, it's kind of for the same reasons that, that you were breaking down, you know, we're still not, I'm with you. We'll see what happens. Make sure Chris Paul's shoulders 100%, of course. That is a big deal for them. If he cannot play, it's going to be very difficult for them to get it done. They It, it was clear that they need him out there, This this his leadership and his playoff experience especially. And then, you know, yes, they just got through the Lakers. They were able to win that series. They, they got it done. But Still, the rest of that team outside of Chris Paul is relatively inexperienced overall when it comes to the playoffs. So Denver having to, you know, rally back last year against the Clippers and and getting all the way to the Western Conference Finals, I think does help them a little bit for this series, having that experience in their back pocket. Um, like you pointed out, it, it'll be interesting. There's, there's really nobody on Phoenix that is probably going to slow down Joker and he was a beast in that in that first round series. You know, I think there was one game where he had 16 points and every other for the rest of the games, he averaged something like 36 and a half points per game for that opening series. Probably going to be the same kind of thing. It's going to be very difficult for Phoenix to slow him down. And like you said, on the other side, you know, maybe not necessarily anybody that on Denver that's going to completely slow down Devin Booker. Like you said, be interested to see some Aaron Gordon on him maybe with a bigger body. And I do agree with you. I think he's athletic enough to keep up with, with Booker and maybe cause of some headaches for that dude and, and at least get him a little out of rhythm, get him a little, a little out of sorts. So um, probably six or seven game series. I'm totally seeing that as well. Kind of a, one of these coin flips, but really because of the Joker because these guys were there last year, Michael Porter's ability to score the basketball, 
I'm going to lean toward the Nuggets um, pulling this one out. But I, I'm with you, dude. I, I think the Suns are going to push them to the limit, and it's going to be a heck of a series. And I think Denver draws on some of that experience last year, rallying back uh, against you know a higher-seeded team last year around with the um, – uh, the Clippers and and getting that one done last year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with you and and lean ever so slightly here toward the Nuggets. But man, I, I think both of these Western Conference uh, semifinals are gonna be terrific, just like uh, the ones going on in the Eastern Conference, which of course leads me over to my Bucks. In a couple yeah. hours, they will be going at it in Game Two. Game One, um, you know, it it started. Pretty good. I mean, the, we built a little bit of a lead in the first quarter. That lead diminished by the end of the second quarter, and then um, you know was was uh, we yeah we got a big three point play before the half to kind of close up the gap a little bit. But um, we did not start the second half good. Uh, the Nets did, and that game was pretty well over. Unfortunately, a few minutes into the third quarter, but you know it. What was frustrating from a Milwaukee standpoint, we did not shoot the ball well. Anybody that watched that game or any highlights or anything could clearly see that. We were struggling to shoot the ball for sure, but we did have success when we attacked the basket, especially in the first half. That was working. We had a clear advantage. Brooke Lopez was actually, when, when he was on the floor in the first half, we were, our plus minus was insane, and, and the Nets were really having some problems. But, you know, Blake Griffin, we saw kind of like a little bit of a in, a, in some ways, a little bit of a vintage Blake Griffin performance yeah. that stepped up big for them. He, he was a pain in our butt. I mean, he had three three-pointers, um, was able to slash the basket a few times. He, he was getting a couple offensive rebounds. I mean, he was doing some Blake Griffin type things that we haven't seen for the last couple of years. So, um, you know, that was big, especially with James Harden going down, of course, within the first 30 seconds or whatever it was of the ball game. But you know, KD played good. Kyrie played good. Uh, Giannis got his, but, you know, again, there was times in the first half where we just, including Giannis, settled for some pull-up three-pointers when, again, we were having some success attacking the basket. But, uh, oh, man, it's a big game, too, tonight. Obviously, I, I think Milwaukee needs to bounce back and win. It, it's going to be very difficult to uh, fall in a 2-0 hole and, and be able to rally back regardless of whether Harden is available or not for this series. So, uh, but dude, I'm, I'm interested to get your thoughts on my bucks so far. I mean, it's one game. It didn't go real great. It's a big one tonight, but um, yeah, man, what do you, what are your thoughts on this bucks net series? Yeah. Um, I watched uh, a good part, uh, a good portion of uh, that game, that game one. Um, yep. You know, I I legitimately and wrongly thought, uh, which is kind of oxymoronic. I understand. Um, but <laughs> I well, I legitimately thought at the time, uh, or had good reason to think at the time that with James Harden going out, that it wasn't going to be not necessarily easy for your Bucks, but I thought that, that was going to make things a hell of a lot easier. Um, so me too. I was wrong about. I was not accurate about. Um, because obviously, you know, Kyrie just did Kyrie things. He and, did. you know, he was shooting the ball well. He was getting in the paint. He was getting those nice little floaters in the, in the lane and no man's land there. He, he, yep. was, doing, he was doing Kyrie things um, that when he's healthy proves that, you know, shows that he is arguably one of the best point guards, you know, guards in the NBA. Totally. Um, you know, I, 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 was, I was impressed because right out the gate, like you said, I mean, Milwaukee came out. You know, and and there were times where you guys were getting anything you want uh, in the paint. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, you know, it was like, oh, man, are we going to see DeAndre Jordan here at some point in time? Because, you know, you guys, they had no answer for you guys inside right. uh, yeah. around the rim. Yep. Um, you know, whether it be Giannis. And I was like, all right, you know, this, you know, you guys are really going to put Brooklyn's defense to the test. Yeah, and, totally. And then much has been much like what's been a lot of the criticism for your Bucks. And in particular, your head coach over the last few seasons, especially come playoff time, is your offense became stagnant. It became not good offense. You guys weren't moving the ball very well. Guys, as you said, were settling for jumpers that were early in the shot clock, just not very good shots. The, 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 the balance wasn't there to be able to get back on defense. You guys were settling for these shots. And, you know, the Nets. To their credit, their defense wasn't particularly great, but they were like, hey, if you're going to shoot these shots, man, we're going to dare you until you start making them, and then we'll start playing some legitimate D. And it that's what happened. And, you know, totally. I'm really curious to see what kind of adjustments are made uh, between yes. game one and two. I think that, you know, I really – I think I think this needs to be, to some degree, a foot race. I, I, I don't think that this is a game – or a series that the Bucks, despite their personnel, maybe playing to this playing to its strength. I don't think a grinded out kind of ugly game is what the Bucks need here. I, I think that they no. have with Giannis, with Drew, with Brooke Lopez. I don't know, but Brent Forbes, um, you know, Connington, with the guys that you have with, the, with Chris Middleton, I mean, I'm not saying that you guys need to play at a very quick pace, but I think you guys need to attack and attack off. Yes. Try and get into an offense early. Guys to gain rebound and try and get some of those, you know, offensive rebounds and get second and third chance looks. Use your size to your advantage. Um, You guys are a better rebounding team than the Brooklyn Nets are. Um, yeah, and you got you got to get those good shots. And I'm not saying they have to be dunks. They have to be, you know, or three-pointers specific, exclusively. I'm just saying you guys need to get into an offense early. And whether it's a made basket or a missed basket, you guys need to get out and run. Don't use shot clock. I think if you speed that up and get more possessions, I think that works in your favor a little bit. Because defensively, I think you guys are far superior. And so I think that, you know, if you get them in a track meet a little bit, I think you guys got placed to some of your strengths a little bit more. That's just my, my, my thought. Um, hey, I brother, I love that. I love that take a hundred percent. You know, I'm also putting older guys like Blake Griffin a little bit more, getting them winded a little bit more. You're going to, you know, yep. maybe they're going to, it's going to be another timeout sooner than what, you know, Steve Nash might sure. want. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, KD, he hasn't played a whole hell of a lot. Him and Kyrie have missed long stretches, you know, quite a few fairly large stretches of games throughout this entire season. How healthy are they? Um, you know, the Celtics were an easy gentleman sweep in the first round, really didn't get tested a whole lot outside of the one loss. In right. which case, Jason Tatum had to score 50 points to even the game. So put, put KD in a ringer. Put him out there. Get, set some hard screens on that dude. Make him play defense. Make him get out and run in transition. Um, you know, Kyrie and and Kevin Durant are far too good of isolation basketball players. And I think that defensively, you guys have guys that can, you know, lock in on them. But 
why play ISO ball when you can get out there and run and get switches and get matchups and, and get these guys so that maybe they're getting quicker looks at the basket that allows you guys on missed baskets to get out there and run. I think that plays to your strength. Um, and, and, and despite, again, like I said earlier, you know, maybe you would argue that you guys maybe would be better off with Brooke Lopez playing slower basketball, you know, less possess possessions for Brooklyn. I think you're a far superior rebounding team. And I think that if you get Giannis, much like a younger LeBron, if you get young, young, uh, if you get Giannis going downhill, he is a hard man to stop. If you put him in yeah, half court totally. and you slow down the game, it makes it a hell of a lot easier to defend. And once again, this dude, Giannis, that is, is proving yep. that he's settling come playoff time and he's settling for those jumpers that he just doesn't consistently make. And in the regular season, you can afford him taking those. But this is the playoffs, man. And if you're the Nets, you will live all day if he's shooting 10 three-pointers a game or something ridiculous and only hitting two or three of them. Like, oh, yeah. dare him to shoot that all day long and pack that paint. But if you get out in transition, Chris, then it opens up the floor for guys to be able to knock down those three-pointers, man. And I just think that that works to your strengths. So that's just my take. Hey, brother, I totally agree. That's exactly what I want to see as well. Um, you know, Giannis had a great first quarter. Um, the, the the team in general played a pretty good first quarter, and then the wheels started to come off. We started to settle for different things. But he was attacking. He was doing very much uh, those kind of things instead of settling for the threes. Um, but I agree. I think that's where the advantage is going to be. And it was clear, you know, Brooke was beating him up on the glass in the early going. And, and again, then we start settling for these long threes early in the shot clock. They're not getting rebounded. The offense isn't set. Guys aren't in position. So I totally agree. I mean, Drew Holiday shot seven for 19 in game one. And Chris Middleton shot six for 23. It was just settling for way too many of these three-pointers instead of continuing to attack, attack, attack. And then, you know, we felt we you get this double-digit deficit, and it was like we were trying to make it up in one shot. Like, all right, now we got to just start launching threes instead of, you know, trying to do something that works. Um, and I think you're right. You know, uh, it was interesting from the regard that I think you know, the coach, you know, Booty actually made an adjustment before the game by starting P.J. Tucker, which I liked. Yes. I liked us yes. coming out. I thought that worked good. Um, but then – there was no adjustment at all at, at the half. And, you know, Brooke Lopez gets that big three-point play as the clock's running out to get the lead down to two. I mean, we were down 11 with, like, three minutes to go in the half. We were able to whittle that down, get it to two going in the locker room. So you're like, okay, got a little momentum going. You know, Harden's not going to play the rest of the game. And they came out in the first four or five offensive sequences there to start the third quarter were just atrocious. I mean, they were awful. It wasn't attacking. It was like... I don't know what we talked about in the locker room because if that was what we drew up or came up with, it was just God awful. So it was like, okay, I'm glad we made an adjustment before the game, but this was not any kind of uh, an adjustment that we need to see mid game. That's for sure. So um, I hope that will, you know, be there tonight. Uh, but I agree with you, like just attack, attack, attack. The more possessions, the more chances for us, the more, you know, uh, potential for offensive rebounds, like you pointed out. And I think that's the way to go, especially we already know Harden's going to be out for this game. Blake mm -hmm. Griffin played a lot more minutes. He did play good in game one, but, you know, not used to that. Ever since he came over, it's a guy that's been playing 15, 20 minutes a night. So 
you know, get him a little bit more winded, make him have to run a little bit more, as you pointed out, and, and uh, you know, make KD work a little bit more as well. Get, get physical with that guy, bang him on some screens as well um, and everything. So, dude, I'm totally with you. That's exactly what I want to see. Honestly, if we could take the first quarter from game one and, and try to stretch that out over four quarters here in game two, I'll be a very happy man, that's for sure, by the end of the night. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we definitely need to come out. We need to do some different things. And, you know, I want to see Giannis do more what he, what he was doing in the first quarter, uh, which was attacking that basket, getting down low, and using his body and his size. And like you said, just getting downhill. With, with that dude getting downhill, going to be very difficult to stop. Don't get in a half-court set. Um, don't, you know, all that kind of stuff. Give you know, Allow the defense to be able to sag off and all those other kind of things. So hopefully we're not just going to settle for three-pointers tonight and, uh, you know, we're going to be a little bit more aggressive because I think we're going to need to be, that's for sure. So, uh, but we'll see. Hopefully hopefully game two will go in a different direction and uh, my Bucks can get back going here in this series. So long way to go yet in that one, but certainly – don't want to fall down two to nothing. Then the pressure is really going to be on coming back to Milwaukee. So, yeah. Uh, but dude, we uh, we also had the other series in the East uh, got going yesterday, and yep. uh, you know there's some big questions whether Joel Joel Embiid, of course, was going to be able to play. What his availability was? Well, he played. He played pretty damn good. He scored 39 points and was just shy of 10 rebounds. Did what he could, but, uh, boy, the, the Sixers were kind of buried in the first half. They were down 20. They were down 25 midway point of the third quarter. They got they came back. They got it within three, if I remember correctly, with a little under a minute to go. So they chipped, chipped, chipped away. But in the end, it wasn't enough. Trey Young was outstanding again. I think he had 35 for the game, 25 in the first half. But uh, Hawks went in. With a healthy Joel Embiid, nobody missing any time, and that dude played 39 minutes, if I if I remember correctly. So he was out there, and uh, the Hawks still got it done. They take a surprising one nothing lead, bro. What do you think of that game? What do you think of this series? I mean, uh, is that just a uh, you know um, just a little bleep on the radar? The Sixers are going to come storming back, or is this some uh, some reason for concern in Philly? Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, as any Clipper fan will probably tell you, no, you know, <laughs> granted you're down Oh one, but you know, I don't necessarily feel confident with doc rivers over there on the sideline. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the thing is, is that look, you know, uh, Trey young, you know, he had a ridiculously good series against New York. Um, he's carried that over into game one he against Philly. Yeah. The problem is that I think Philly, has far too many defensive weapons. And if the one thing, you know, Nate McMillan has turned that Atlanta team around since he took over as coach. Um, you know, he, he's really done some remarkable things with that team and that franchise. And, yep. you know, they're, they're really having a nice coming out party here in the playoffs. Um, but if I am, you know, Doc Rivers and I have a plethora of defensive weapons that I can throw at Trey Young, Danny Green, Ben Simmons, um, uh, what is it? Um, they're, they're, the Thibel, um, their other yeah. rookie there um, yep. that's a guard. Um, you know, you've got a lot of guys that you can throw at, at Trey Young. And look, I, I think that is 
their role players going to continue to show up for Atlanta? Maybe. But the thing is, is that there's a lot more experience going on in the 76er side than there is on the Hawks side. And at some point in time, that is true. That is you know, true. In, 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 in certain ways, experience and guys that have been tested in the playoffs, that tends to, especially as you get deeper in the playoffs, tends to pay dividends um, and helps you win basketball games. Um, you know, obviously Joel Embiid was not hampered by his injury all that much, as you pointed out. I mean, he had a good game. Yes. But, you know, yep. I, I almost think that this is one of those things where if I'm Doc Rivers, I say, all right, Trey, you, you get 50 points on us. Cool. That's fine. You break these records that ESPN is going to find in the doldrums of the NBA archives. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But know. we're not going to let you get other guys involved. We'll let you shoot half court three pointers early in sure. the shot clock. Because yep. at the end of the day, you might make some of them, but you're not going to make all of them. And yep. at the end yep. of the day, my guys are going to get out and run. And, you know, we're going to put your defense to the test. And, you know, if there's one thing that Philly has over New York, most certainly it's that they have a much better offense than what New York was running out there. I mean, you know, we Boy. weren't able – we didn't really talk much about that New York series just because of, you know, life happening, which is great. Was, right. Um, you know, but – New York just didn't have enough offense, man. I mean, R.J. Barrett became virtually non-existent. Julius Randle, despite winning, you know, most improved, went back to playing the way Julius Randle played early on in his career and whatnot. He was timid. He was was frustrated. He wasn't getting the balls. He wasn't getting, you know, his shots weren't falling. His three-point shot went, you know, really cold, ice cold on him. Ice cold, Um, yeah. You know, guy, they just didn't have anything. And Trey Young just kept going out there and, and getting the job done. Gallinari got the job done. So, you know, that's the one thing that the 76ers have is they have that experience. They have guys. And look, you know, yes, they have Clint Capella. But obviously, Joel Embiid was able to completely nullify whatever big they threw at totally. you know, Embiid. Yep. Um, you know, so I, I, I don't know, man. I, I think that 76ers win the series. I, I think that, yeah, Atlanta went in and stole game one. I wouldn't be shocked if now 76ers rally off four straight wins. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, I mean, maybe five, six games for the series, but I think it goes Philly's way. Um, you know, I, I just think that they have too many weapons. I think Doc Rivers and his coaching staff, um, can make the necessary adjustments. And this isn't the Clippers. I mean, you know, I, I think that no, that's it's something, not. Yeah. You know, and, and Doc Rivers has been to an NBA Finals. He's won a championship. So, you know, you got to give him some credit there. Um, no, totally. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, I, I just think that, yeah, I mean, I think that the 76ers win this one out. I think so too, man. I, I'm with you, especially when, I, I mean, it, Atlanta played so good in that first half. Trey played as good as he's going to play. He piled up 25 in that first half. They're up 20. They're cruising along. And all of a sudden, some some adjustments are made a little bit. Trey scores 10 in the second half, which I think you could, you're you going to live with if you're a Sixers yeah. fan, if Trey's only scoring 10 and a half. And you get all the way back into the game, almost there. You get within three. Uh, you know, in the closing minute of the game after being down uh, just a ton the entire game. So the adjustments were there. Hey, if Embiid plays all game long and has a monster game and you still lose by 25, that would be that would be difficult. But, you know, monster game, you came back, you, you couldn't quite pull it out, but almost came all the way back uh, 
and and bottled Trey up. You know, if that guy would have had 40 or 50 or whatever, but, you know, holding him a little bit more in check in the second half, you know, I'm with you. They, they, they've got the defenders. They've got the different looks they can throw at them. And, you know, you made, you made good, good points about the Sixers compared to the Knicks, you know, offensively and so on. And um, I'm very much with you. I, I don't think there's big reason to concern, um, you know, for, for, you know, like to hit the panic button or anything yet. If you're Philly, uh, I, I see them bouncing back and taking care of business in game two for sure. And at that point, I mean, they're just, they're going to have more firepower all the way around. As you pointed out, it didn't really matter who they put on Embiid. He did have his way in that game. So, you know, there's plenty for the Sixers to build off of going forward in this series. Um, And, you know, things are going to have to go good for the Hawks to continue to win games. I mean, you know, everything went perfect for them in the first half, and they still damn near almost blew that game and gave it away um, coming down the stretch in the fourth. So, um, can't count on th- things going your way every game in the first half in the first quarter and having that kind of a hot start. So I think they'll make the adjustments and, and they'll get it done. And the Sixers will be there uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals as well. So, oh, man, playoffs are really humming along, dude. Uh, yep. Yeah, man, I am pumped to see how it all wraps up and, and who we end up with here as we get closer and closer to the Conference Finals. Oh, brother, I'm glad uh, glad we could uh, we could get together, do a little recording here over the long distance call today, you know, for and, sure. uh, you know, get another episode in, my man. Um, anything else you got for today? Nope. I, I hope you continue having a good uh, vacation out there in uh, the Milwaukee's of Wisconsin's. And, uh, uh, you know, you uh, good luck to your bucks tonight. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. After that game one performance, we uh, we're definitely going to need it. So. Yeah, yeah hopefully. Uh, yes, that's right, brother. Fear the deer. Fear the deer out in deer country for sure out here. So, oh, uh, yes, uh, we'll all be going crazy for this one tonight. So, all right, my man, there we go. Balls and Beards podcast, everybody. Episode 28 now in the books. And uh, Mikey and I will be back again soon. Plenty more playoff talk. We'll continue to go through it all with you all. And uh, we'll see you all again next week.